Welcome to the Gamers Over 50 podcast. This is episode 36, the second of a two-part video game or electronic RPG podcast on RPG categories. In this one, we're going to talk about the games. In the last uh, podcast, we kind of talked about what electronic RPGs, video game RPGs, computer-based RPGs are like. Um, so you got a lot of interesting information, on, but now I wanted to kind of talk about some of the subgenres. And we're looking at action RPGs, first-person party RPGs, MMORPGs, roguelikes, sandbox RPGs, tactical RPGs, and then hybrid RPGs. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the genre, and then I'm going to talk about a game. And so this last, uh, I think it was a little bit, maybe eight days, seven days, maybe it was nine days, I decided to go out and play some of the games, uh, electronic RPGs, that I thought were really good or I enjoyed uh, earlier or a couple that I had never played before. So I'm going to give you uh, some interesting games to go through as well. So let's start out with action RPGs. And what this is, is an action RPG is when you control kind of one character and you're going to be focusing on that character, the plot, the story, all are about you. And these early action RPGs came out in the 1980s with games like Dragon Slayer and Wise Siri, and I'm Y with apostrophe S series, or maybe not, which are really kind of like a hack and slash combat mode. So that means your sword, bam, bam, bam. Um, a lot of keyboard controlling, no mouse, no joysticks, etc. cetera. Um, and you would use some different menus as well. So, you know, this kind of defined that action adventure space until Legend of Zelda kind of came out. In Legend of Zelda, you really didn't see the hack and slash. You just, you know, you kind of hit, you shot your arrow, bow, arrow. And it, it really opened up the space so that you're able to kind of save your progress and move forward. Um, the other part of this where you had different RPGs where it was, you're getting involved with non-players. And so you'd have a non-player, maybe you buy something from, or I had to go speak to someone so they can upgrade an ability. And that's where these action RPGs take you to doing a lot of combat, earning your experience points, or doing some things, maybe lock picking, or not, you know, not really like growing crops. Maybe you had quests that go involved then. You have to do so many things. Um, you have the option to break down a door or not open it. And if you open the door using uh, a lock picking or you get someone to open the door for you, you get extra points. So some of the, the really kind of interesting part of these kind of action adventures was it was a lot of just killing enemies. It wasn't a, you know, going around and trying to solve problems. Now, some of them were solving problems. There was a quest. Oh, you have to go find the, seven, eight, nine of this item, or you have to go find the specific item, but you have to fight your way all the way in. And so a lot of those games really took us into the kind of like the, the beating things, beat, 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 kill, 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 and we get stuff. So, you know, another game that really came out of this, and one of the games I looked at was Diablo. And Diablo for uh, gamers is kind of a big deal. Everybody knows about Diablo. RPG folks really like it. Um, we're going to talk about it in just a second, but the unique experience that you're able to get in these kind of action RPGs are you go in and you just attack, attack, attack. There weren't, a, it, you didn't go through a lot of in-depth place. 
uh, placement from where you're having to figure something out. Maybe it was you had to kill everything in the castle and then you win. So let's go into Diablo. Diablo is created by Blizzard. Blizzard is, if you've heard of Blizzard, is one of the uh, big game companies. I think a few years ago they were purchased by EA, EA kind of electronic arts. So um, the cool thing about Diablo is you can be a single player or you can have up to four players. The rating of this game, and, and you'll see I went through players rating description and then things I don't like and didn't like. Uh, but the rating of this game is mature. There is some mature, you're going to kill, kill, kill things. And, you know, my nine-year-old, my 11-year-old, probably not a good idea for them to kill, kill, kill. 16 and 22, uh, they're kind of getting to the point where they can make those decisions. Obviously, some people may not enjoy it. But, you know, Diablo is basically an action role-playing hack and slash. Um, it was at the original was released in 1997. And the reason why I knew this game was I was playing um, some kind of real time strategy games that Blizzard had put out and this Diablo came out and everybody was like, oh, my gosh, it's the greatest game ever. At the time, it was really amazing. Um, so much so that I can say my when my brother and I play a game and we both enjoy playing that game, then it's a really good game. And I say that because he and I have such different tastes. But Diablo is set in a fictional kingdom of Kandarus, the mortal realm, and the player controls a hero battling to get rid of the world of Diablo. Um, the person, his name is the Lord of Terror. And so he's really scary and he lives beneath the town. So you're going 16 levels beneath this town and you have to ultimately go to hell. Ha ha ha, hell, sorry. Um, you have to enter hell to face Diablo and win. Now, additionally, there were expansion packs. There have been uh, additional versions. Uh, there's a two, there's a three. There is a F Diablo four that I can't remember if it's in development or it's been released. I need to probably do a little more homework on Diablo four, but I really wanted to talk about the first Diablo um, because it's something you can still just go and play. It's a 23 year old game and it's fun. If you like to just sit there and beat on things and get treasure and you get cool blue items or purple items, Awesome. I think there's also gold items in there. Okay. So on Diablo, it's actually one of the, the fun games. Like I said, you can just load it up. You can go beat stuff and then you can get loot and you can, yay, you don't even have to finish. You can save at some point. Uh, it, it's the, the multiplayer option is so much fun because at the time in 97, remember in 97, we just barely had the internet. So you would get people together and we do what we call land parties and four of us get together and play a land party of Diablo. A lot of fun. Now you can do it over the internet. Um, the world is huge. 16 levels aren't like 16, you know, 10 by 10 grids. They are huge and there's secrets everywhere. There are places you can find in the game that you may not see the second time or you didn't see them the first time. Really cool stuff. The graphics in 97 were amazing. They're still pretty good today, too. They're actually, you know, they, they comprehend me. Um, and you really don't know how to play a character's class, like, you know, the strength and the charisma and intuition, like you might do in a D&D, &D, that you have to make sure you're modeling that. You just can pick up stuff and just, you know, oh, this is a, a warrior. Boom, he needs a shield, he needs a sword, go. Um, last little bit, the lore of Diablo. So the Diablo, you know, heading down after the Lord of Terror. It is kind of in-depth. You get to learn a lot about this world. Okay, 
the one thing I really didn't like about Diablo, so I told you some good stuff, I'm going to talk about some bad stuff, is that you had to use a mouse to play. I like to play keyboard games. Additionally, the original Diablo, I think it had four classes, if I'm correct. I think it four. Then they doubled the classes. So you had eight. So you had, you know, eight different kinds of people you could play. I think it started out Hunter, or not Hunter, uh, Warrior, and it was a Wizard, and then somebody with like a bow and arrow. So not bad, still fun, had a good time playing it. Um, you know, and again, there's not much bad about it, um, but it is a game you can keep playing. All right. So let's step over to first party, first person party based RPGs. Wow, that's so much easier to say. So this is where you lead a party of people. And so um, originally, and we've talked about this game in previous podcasts, Wizardry. I loved this game. It was like my first computer RPG I ever played when I was a kid. Um, another game, Might and Magic, Bard's Tale, as well as Atrian's Odyssey. And there are you know, there's several out there. And sometimes these called, are called blobbers. So there's a new word for you, blobbers. You can go use this. But that's like when the entire party moves around the playing field as a unit. So if you and your family go to, let's say, Disney, if it's open, and you all move around and nobody strays to go get cotton candy or something, you may be going to Disney as blobbers. Totally fine. It's okay. Great for you. Um, again, some of these blobber games or first-person party-based RPGs, which blobbers is so much easier, are turn-based. So you kind of have to wait, do your turn, and then let them go. There are others that are played real-time. So they're, you know, versus waiting your turn for something to do something. You and the other thing, like a skeleton, are attacking each other. Uh, there is a lot of environmental or space or spatial puzzles that are you're having to work through as well. So maybe you're trying to get through some form of a, of a maze or a labyrinth. All right. So the game for this one that I played was Etrian Odyssey. Now, what's really kind of cool, it was, oh, it was developed by Atlas, A-T-L-U-S, single player, ages T for teen. I always love that one. But this is a 3D kind of dungeon crawler. So when if you've played a tabletop or a D&D &D and you're kind of stepping through, you need to grab potentially grab your graph paper for this game. Um, it is a little older because it was developed for the Nintendo DS. So now we have the Switch, which is all handheld. The DS still exists, and you can still buy this game for the, the, the DS as well. Um, but you have to explore, and I am not, it's, I think it's Yggdrasil's Labyrinth, um, Labyrinth, of course, and using your created characters to go through this labyrinth. So it's very, very kind of a cool game. Um, because you on the DS, you actually use a little stylus to develop where your map is so you can help work on yourself. The other neat thing is it's in 3D. Cool 3D. 3D used to be super cool. You get your glasses at 7-Eleven or somewhere and you watch your movies. But this is a game that you can actually see in 3D. So it is kind of neat to see your characters like that. Um, as well as, you know, this is, like I said, very similar to those 80s and 90s games with a handheld effect. Um, I did actually break out my graph paper because the emulator, I used an emulator, I don't own a DS, but the emulator I used was a little more difficult uh, and it was easier to just take the graph paper and build out my little, my go through the labyrinth. Okay, so good points about this game. Again, like I said, 3D in 
very similar to those older games that I played. And you get to maintain your own map, which is a big deal to me. I really think that's cool that I get to be more drawn in and I have to put some energy into the game. Points I really don't like. I really didn't like the DS. Um, I didn't, I have, I've, we've, I've obviously purchased several of them because we had several in our house, but the technology limitations. And then the other side of it is that like, I wanted to play a game, plug in the cartridge and just go. Breaking out the map paper eh, isn't as easy and you can't do it. So like, if I wanted to be on an airplane, I'm gonna have to break out my paper. I'm gonna have to set it on my, you know, when we, fly again. I'm going to put it on my tray table. You know, for this, I had to go find a space on my desk that didn't have like a keyboard or uh, some form of a glass. So I didn't bump it over or my phone, you know, those types of things. So you know, nothing really bad about it, but it just wasn't my favorite. All right, let's move on to the category of RPG categories. It is the MMORPG. Okay, so let's say this out loud. The massive multiplayer online RPG. So let's start with the O. When you play this RPG, you are connected to a lot of other players, online players. Uh, additionally, this is multiplayer. So there are many, 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 many amounts of players you can play with, if not hundreds, but I would say closer to thousands, but it gets a little weird on the thousands part, but I would say definitely the game we're going to talk about five, 10, 25, 40 players playing all at once for one thing. Okay. So MMR, MMORPGs really didn't get a lot of mainstream until the nineties and the you know, mid to late nineties when people could get online. Um, if you did anything before, you all had to get together in a room or somebody's conference room at work. We all had to bring our computers or monitors, blah, blah, blah. But when you could get into the MMORPG, this is where you connected over the internet. And you could call your buddy and say, hey, I'm logging in. Or if your friend was already there, they'd see you log in. Now, you have very, very, very many different kinds. And if you remember, we talked about MUDs, which user displays. We talked about that a little bit before. Um, this is where when you're looking at your world, so you have multiple people talking at the same time, you really started creating this huge space where everyone would talk at the same time. So think about if you're in a movie theater and everybody speaks at the same time, but yet it's captured and you can scroll through it. Kind of interesting. Now, you also have those MUDs that became these MMORPGs. And you had, you know, as early in, in 95, we had uh, Meridian. You had Ultima Online, which Ultima was already a great computer RPG game. You had games like EverQuest, which was the first really big MMORPG. Lots of people played it. I used to work with people that would find stuff and sell it, in the, sell it externally. Uh, and then you had, of course, the big one, World of Warcraft. Uh, Blizzard, same company. Now, what's really kind of interesting is in a single RPG, you're by yourself. In an MMORPG, there is a huge social aspect to this game. There is a ton of stuff. Um, you're going to be playing with people all over the world. In fact, the, the big, and I'm doing the air quotes of it, is 
that a lot of people talk about, oh, there's a ton of people in Korea and China that play. Well, they sure do because it's online. They're having relation, you know, meeting. They're having relationships. Some people are really playing like next to each other, boyfriend, girlfriend over there. And so, you know, we had a lot of conversations about that. But in the same effect, you had the same thing happening in the U.S. There was a, a game, a guy who did like a documentary on games, and he did a documentary on MMORPGs. It's really easy to say that after you say it like 100 times. Um, and he came over and he had people that on Friday night, they all would meet at like 7-Eleven. They'd all grab their Monster Energy drinks or whatever energy drinks they were at the time. This is like 10 years ago. And uh, they would pull everybody into the game together. Now, what's really kind of interesting is that because the MMORPG world was built in that, you had people that got sucked into these games for days and days and days. I'm going to talk about that a little bit because we're going to talk about our MMORPG game, the world of Warcraft. And I'm going to talk about the very kind of the first MMO, you know, the first version. There have been several. So let's start out with developed by Blizzard. Wow, there's a theme, RPGs and Blizzard. Diablo, obviously World of Warcraft. Now, the number of players, it's unlimited. I mean, there's millions of players, so we'll get into that in a second. I mean, when I say millions, like I think at the top, there were something like 11 or no, 15 million people that had played the game worldwide. All right. Anywho, T for team. Now, I think it kind of gets a little mature, so you, you can choose, but it's also you have to think about the ability to play a game consistently and it you just keep going and going and going. Now, every game can be that way, but some of the other games you finish. WoW really doesn't. Oh, sorry. World of Warcraft or WoW really doesn't have a finish line. One of my older children have played it because it's also an addictive, fun game and the amount of dopamine that it'll pump into your system uh, for achieving things and doing quests is great. Now, WoW was released in 2004. I actually played the beta and it was really kind of interesting because it's like going from a game where your world is, let's say, your house and then going from a game where your world is your state. Now, if you live in uh, Delaware, Rhode Island, that could be small. But let's say your state is Alaska and or your state is the entire, uh, every single province in Canada or the United States. Like that, there's a size of this world. It is insane. And in fact, when we were playing for the first time, I remember playing with a friend and we were, we had headsets and we were talking back and forth. You've probably seen your, your people do that. It was nuts. We just kept playing and playing and playing. And it was, I'm going to do a bigger podcast on, I think, on on Warcraft or World of Warcraft on its own, because I think that I'm not going to give it enough justice in this short period of time. Anywho, the World of Warcraft is set in a place called Azeroth. And so Azeroth is four years after the World of Warcraft real, or sorry, Warcraft real-time strategy game. And if you've ever seen those, it's uh, there's three of them. Fun games, really kind of neat games. We'll talk about them when we go through real-time strategy games at some point. Um, but it was, you know, released in 2004. And there have been, um, I think it's eight. Let me see if I do this right. I'm going to try it. Burning Crusade, Wrath of Lich King, Cataclysm, Mista Pandaria's Warlord of Draenor, 
Legion, Battle of Azeroth, and Shadowlands. I think I've got them all. I think I have them all because the latest one was in August. I have not played it yet. Um, but it's considered the world's most popular MMORPG. People have played it. It has made billions of dollars for Blizzard. Uh, it has its own convention, BlizzCon, which is uh, interesting. You can watch it online now with, with COVID this year. Very cool stuff to see, neat stuff. All right. So let's talk a little bit. And like I said, we'll go in depth of a while because there's a huge amount of storyboard story. There's a darn movie. We talked about the movie. <clears throat> All right. Good points. And I'm again, full disclosure. I have played World of Warcraft since it was released in beta. I even bought myself one of the, during a charity auction, one of the original servers. Uh, it is kind of like super cool to have a computer server that was a game sitting on. Um, and I've played, I mean, it really at the time was a fun social game for me. I went through a divorce just as it was be being released. It allowed me to meet people, to talk to people, to just have a safe place where I wasn't having to go out in public and be like, okay, great. Somebody doesn't like me. So I'm trying to make people like me. It is an immersive world, huge geography, a huge economy. This, again, the social networking, you can meet people all over the world. I've, I've played, I think I've played with people, I believe like 80 different countries over time. Yeah, it's just interesting to hear their stories or ask them what they had for breakfast. Um, the, the quest structure, the developers built this gigantic fantasy realm. The quest structure to do quests will go on forever. The events, holiday events, they have a Christmas event. It is crazy. Um, and they do multicultural events as well, which is even really, really neat stuff. Um, your entire podcast done on WoW. There are books on WoW, et cetera, et cetera. Points I don't like. Video game addiction. WoW will suck you in. I've played WoW starting on a Friday night and found out it was like Sunday afternoon and I needed to do laundry so I could go to work on Monday. I would come home sometimes and play WoW at starting at six and play till like one in the morning and go to work. Um, it, if you, For me at the time, it wasn't bad. It was called, we called it the grind. Not a bad thing, but it, you know, kind of like a, all right. So those are points. So let's move on to roguelikes. Now, roguelike games really started with one game, you're going to laugh, called Rogue. And so this is where you have a role-playing game, really levels. It's very turn-based. So one person goes, next person goes. And the really kind of the difficult thing for me is it's a permanent death of a character. Character dies, they are gone. So you spent time putting stuff into them. They are gone. And there have been great games out there. The problem was I didn't get a chance to play Rogue or any of the Rogue games because I was trying to find emulators and I tried to get them set up. I will definitely try again in the future. Okay, let's talk about sandbox RPGs. So this is where we're getting, now we're learning new terms. A sandbox is, think about exactly as a sandbox. I can build a castle and I can wipe it out. I can go anywhere all over the world. There is not a set graph that I have to go. I don't have to go to point A or point B. I don't have to go for some place in Azeroth to another place in Azeroth and like, wow. So this is a place where I can just walk around and do whatever I want all day long. I can just walk around. It's got the RPG. There's, you know, sometimes you have to fence that you got to go around or you got to go through a building a certain way. Um, and there's really a lot of good games that were created this 
probably the best or my favorite in one of these. There's two, so I had to pick and I flipped a coin were Elder Scrolls and the Fallout series. And I love the Fallout series. Fallout series is so much fun. Post-apocalyptic games. Oh, let's start over. Created by Bethesda, one player. It is mature, and it is mature. It is created in a post-apocalyptic game. And I'm going to talk about Fallout 3. This Fallout 3 was really neat in a post-apocalyptic capital wasteland. So you're, you're 2077, you are in or nuclear disaster in 2077, you come out at 2277 and you're about, you know, one person out of a nuclear fallout shelter. So you come out of this shelter and it is amazing. You have to get weapons. You have to get food. You have to get, you know, find places to sleep. You have to find currency, all these things and build out. It's v- so really let's talk about the good point. Good points. It's like a choose your own adventure book. And I love choose your own adventure books. It is also the graphics, the storylines, the kind of you meet these weird guys that have been living in a subway and then you realize they're cannibals and you got to figure out how to get out. Or there's these giant, crazy mutant monsters that are always trying to get you. Um, Wonderful game. Plus, it's in Washington, D.C. and you can like go up and there's the Capitol, but not much of it's left. Points I don't like. It could have told me I needed to save because when you make a decision and go down a path in sandbox games, you have to continue down that path, which is a little difficult for someone who's like, oh, well, I can just go back and redo that. There's no redo unless you've saved it and then you can decide what you're going to do. Now, the other great thing is you can play multiple times and it becomes different every single time. Very kind of fun stuff. All right. Tactical RPGs. I could do an entire podcast or two on tactical RPGs because these things are strategy into role-playing games. They are heavy duty. They are, and I'm going to just do a little bit about tactical. They, from the majority of the tactical games come out of Japan and they come out and they are so cool, but they are heavy duty. You need to control your player. There's a finite party. There are a lot of details you do your turn and then you wait the game that I found and I played and it cost me a little money to get it is called is by Bam Presto and Bandai. It's called super robot wars X for the switch. It cost me 80 bucks, uh, 16 plus for the rating. It is incredible. You get to play a Gundam and a Gundam is like a Robotech. It's a robot with a guy in it and the robot can turn into a jet or stay a robot. And you have multiple types of machines. You have little robots, you have your Gundam, you have giant runs, you have battleships, super amazing thing. Going into the good points. Good points here is if you like anime, if you like electronic music, if you like very uh, Japanese culture, it's amazing, amazing, amazing. The units in the game are really, really cool. Point I didn't like, I need to learn Japanese to completely enjoy this game. I used a little bit of Google Translator, kind of helped. It would be awesome to have a multiplayer option where I could play with a lot of friends. And I mean a lot of friends, like an MMORPG. But the problem is, is if you have a million people, you have to wait till the first person does their turn and the millionth person does their turn to go to next. All right, last one, and this one's going to be a quickie. I'm, saw, I'm sorry. 
are the hybrid games. This is where part of it's RPG and part of it's something else. And you have a game, um, and I'm going to just go into our game. It's called Puzzle Quest. So it is an RPG that you have to build up, and you're fighting against computer or something else. But then you have to do something like play uh, Bejeweled. And so it's very much like a Bejeweled board. And you go through, and there's a, an entire storyline behind it, but your combat is Bejeweled. Or if it could be, you know, something else, um, there's, I know, let's see, I'm trying to think, other puzzle. Maybe it's something like Sudoku could be in, involved in it. Um, but this game, Puzzle Quest for Switch, it's a lot of fun if you like Bejeweled, or if you just need something that you don't want to have to commit days of your life, like WoW, or you don't have to sit there and, you know, practice and learn something. It's a very fun version. I can actually take Puzzle Quest, which I have, and shared it with my wife. Now, there are Marvel versions, Disney versions, DC versions, Pokemon versions, etc. All right, last little bit, got about a minute left here, is a relationship to other genres. So RPGs make you test skill in your players. They make you go through war games with your players. They create adventure games with your players, and they develop a lot of gameplay and you know, you could take an RPG and apply it to every single game out there. Pokemon, biggest RPG ever sold because you have to build up your characters, right? You build up your Pokemon so they can battle each other. Wow, biggest MMORPG. People congregate. An RPG is built into everything. And if you think about life, you go to school, you learn, you get experience. Life is kind of like an RPG. So that is the second part of the RPG episode. We may have a few more podcasts coming out of this because of this one, but I really enjoyed this. I got to play some really cool games. Um, definitely take a look at any of the games I talked about, and I'll talk to you soon.